This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of Hey, Gordon, welcome this week. How's it going? It's going well, Doc. I believe uh, I finally got you to watch a game of football last night. Uh, <laughs> Can you believe it? Eh? Gordon, I mean, you guys, I told you last time, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm more of a sort of rugby uh, cricket fan, but I have been watching a little bit. And I see today you've even come into studio in an Arsenal shirt. I can't believe this. Well, we're playing tonight, uh, later on tonight, um, and... Uh, so yeah, I'm getting in. I'm getting in the spirit of it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but you know, this is a double show, and you'll know from the intro to our show, we don't take jokes about Arsenal, and we don't take jokes about the Sharks either, because that's my other side. So exactly, that's it's the a, good news for the it's, day. It's a double hit, and I mean, yeah, big welcome to our first guest of the year, Dr. Edward Kutsia. Ed is CEO, uh, Gordon, as you know, and many of our listeners will know, CEO of, of the Sharks. And the big news this week. Uh, has been, you know, the signing of a, of a really attractive deal with an American investment house, taking, I guess, South African sport to that next level of, of professionalism. Just before we introduce and welcome Ed on the show, just a little bit of his background. I mean, Ed is a, a guy who played, uh, he, he was at school at Afiz and, uh, and played for the, the Bulls in his junior years, played SA under 19 and SA under 21, then played a few seasons at the Sharks. And then made his move uh, to France and played many years uh, in, in, in the Basque country in Biarritz. Uh, so again, Ed, Ed and I know each other well from, from our previous corporate job where we were the headline sponsor of the Sharks. Ed, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, um, it's lovely to be on the show as always, um, to share some, some insights and you know, to get your, your views on things because I know you guys have got a wealth of knowledge. So yeah, I'm excited to be here and thanks for having me. 
Thanks, Ed. And I mean, just before we get into the big topic, which is is the money and the razzmatazz of America, I think, Ed, just in, it's fair to say that last year you were in the press for very positive reasons around your doctoral thesis. Uh, you know, Ed became a doctor and, and he did his work, Gordon, around transformation and the We See Color. Ed, if you want to maybe just let's lead in with that, a little bit of the, the, the forward-thinking nature and the work that you guys did in terms of sensitizing and talking about some topics that are that are possibly quite difficult for a lot of South Africans and how that played into the team and the performance. And then obviously we'll, we'll get into the main main topic of today, which is why you're in the news this year around, around the American deal. Yeah, thanks, Doug. I mean, it's um, transformation is, is one of those topics. As soon as you start, I start looking down, you know, they pick their phones up, someone's go to the toilet. You know, no one really wants to talk about it because, you know, I think transformation in, in, in our space in South Africa has always been seen as a punitive thing, you know. It's always been seen as something that either takes away from one group or, or gives um, unfairly to another one, you know. And I think for us at the Sharks, you know, we wanted to change that narrative around transformation. I think we wanted to change the way people perceive it. And, um, you know, and that's, that ties in with Icy Colors. So Icy Colors is not a, it's not a political drive. It's not a, it's not a you know, a, a race thing. It, uh, it, like anything in South Africa, it, it speaks about diversity and inclusivity. And, you know, our culture at the Sharks is inclusivity underpinned by diversity. And, you know, this whole thing started when, um, with, with my own insecurity, you know, like I'm not, I'm not um, ashamed to admit that uh, growing up as a boy, I also looked at transformation as, as, a, as a punitive thing. And, you know, I left the country. Um, as you said, I went to France because I felt I had a, a very limited opportunities yet, you know, but, um, the, the Leo of Africa and South Africa brought me back and, and, you know, like I moved back here with my wife and, and our three kids after eight, nine years in France, being naturalized in France, um, you know, like having a life there because I wanted to be part of this. I wanted to be part of the solution, but I need to, needed to understand more about what it is and where where it originated and, and how to to go forward. You know, I think we um, we can lose a lot of space treading, uh, time treading water. And, um, and I started studying, uh, you know, my, my background is I did accounting, that is my honors in financial planning. And I wanted to do a, a master's degree uh, MBA because that's pretty much what you do. It's the next step in the ladder, a mm. uh, step in the ladder. Sorry, my Afrikaans roots came through there. Um, <laughs> and I went to the chairman of the board, the Sharks board, and I said to them, would the Sharks pay for my, my further study? He says, oh, cool. What, what do you want to study? And I said, no, I want to do this EMBA at UCT. And he says, Ed, you're already a robot. Go. Go find something that will change the way you think. And um, and I found an info and inclusive innovation. And, you know, I decided to do my, to, to base my research around inclusivity in sports and how to build an inclusive uh, business model for, for rugby that's, that's profitable and sustainable. And at the end of that um, study, I realized that, you know, that I've only just but scratched the surface here. And then I, I continued my study into a PhD at uh, UKZN uh, aimed at inclusivity and diversity in, in sports. And I took rugby, cricket, and, and soccer, and I first determined what an inclusive sport is in the South African franchise, uh, not franchise, in the South African context. And then unpacked exactly, you know, what the history of each sport is, uh, spectator demographics, player demographic, and, you know, like built a model around that. Mm. Um, why such a long-winded story we actually come to I see color is, you know, I believe we should see color. In South Africa, you know, I'm I'm Afrikaans. I was born in Bafontein. Uh, my wife's English. Her heritage is Irish and and, and English. Mm. You know, um, we we in a in a diverse community. We can't say that we don't see color. And 
you know, and at the sharks that started, yes, guys, instead of putting putting our heads in the sand, why don't we just see the color? We see the story in everyone. We celebrate it. We acknowledge it. We sympathize to the history of each one. You know, we don't compromise who we are. Yeah. But, you know, in this environment, the rules of engagement that the sharks determine that we've got to treat each other a certain way. And, and you know, within that space, we need to make sure that we celebrate each other's diversity. And only through that will... Um, we'll achieve uh, full inclusivity. And yeah, Doug, I don't know if, if, if I answered your question, but that's pretty much a little bit of my history yeah. and I see color in a, in a very short uh, yeah. short summary. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. And I think that was, you know, I want to use the word brave, but I think it's a bit cliched and a bit overtraded. It's just a, it's just a good commonsensical approach to commercial leadership. And I think, and we'll chat about that now. I'm going to hand over to Gordon to talk a little bit about the deal. But I mean, what I guess South African franchises need and, and South African administrators need is a good level-headed approach to commerce as well. And and I mean, through my career, having worked with many of the different sporting codes, a lot of the guys are great guys, but they're more fans, in my opinion, fans of the game than they are business people. And I think, now I'm going to hand over to Gordon mm. to talk a little bit about the American way, which I think is going to be uh, certainly, and, and again, my experience in dealing with some of the Americans, a mesh-up of, of business and, and big sport. Yeah, look, I mean, there's so many points that have been raised there. I mean, I think for me, just looping back a bit, um, why I've, I've always enjoyed you know, the Sharks in recent years is that the issue of transformation was linked to a, a kind of a, what I perceive anyway to be a bottom-up approach. So Sharks Academy, mm. you're including people from the, from the, the ground floor and building them up at school level and, and wherever the case might be. And I think that for me was a real innovation. And you know, bringing it back to my other love, Arsenal, you know, you've got a youth academy in Arsenal. It's one of the reasons we've got one of the, the youngest sides here. We're not playing well, but we've got a great side and we've got a great future. So I think for me that that's uh, an outstanding aspect of transformation is if you make it bottom up, mm. it's when transformation is imposed top down, I think that we get uncomfortable with it. But, uh, Doc, that's not you, Doc, the other Doc. Two Docs, two Docs, and, a, and a, I might use the Afrikaans word for where that starts with a D. Um, the demographics of the game, for me, the other thing about the Sharks is, I mean, I went there, I watched my first game of rugby as the, at the age of five with my dad. Yeah. Went there, took my kids there, played my rugby there. Uh, you know, Kings Park for me was, was a home, and I think that's been... Uh, an aspect of the game. So, so coming back to you, Ed, I mean, how do you balance what I perceive to be the American way, which is bottom line, win at all costs versus that unique kind of aspect of Sharks rugby? It's a family event, what always has been on the outfields, Kings Park. We've tried variously to name it after the sponsors. I shall go to my grave calling it Kings Park. But how are you going to balance the bottom line with the family kind of aspect of it? Yes, thanks, Gordon. I think it's a, it's a good question, and um, you know I feel that you touched it, touched on it briefly about a bottom up approach. And I think a bottom up approach just establishes establishes and underlines your culture. You know, and I think one of our culture at the Sharks is maybe is I believe what's attracted these American investors. You know, if you look at Marco Mazzotti, his his uh, team that he grew up with was the Sharks. You know, he he, he lived in. In Durban in a Mantum Toti, you know, he, he played his um you know schoolboy rugby in, in a Mantum Toti. You know, he, he grew up with the Sharks. So he's got an affinity to the Sharks. So he knows what the Sharks culture is about, you know. And I think um when you buy into something, you also buy into the obviously there's commercials, but you also buy into the culture and, and the history and the story of a franchise, you know. And I think um 
from from what uh, our discussions have been with them is they don't want to fundamentally change the the sharks culture they actually quite like that they respect it and they want to build on it rather than than, than break it down so you know but the american way is big bold and brave and i think that also resonates with with the sharks you know um and it and it goes back to Brian Fonsell's days when he took it from the banana boys to the sharks, and uh, now it's just the norm. But there was also there must have been kickback then, you know. So like I think people, any anywhere where there's change, I think there'll be um, there'll be some some questions around it. But I think the, the the way you approach these things, if you approach it with transparency and integrity and respect, I think that there's there's a lot of understanding, you know. I think a lot of our fans realise that. We were at a crossroads where we needed to make a decision, and I, I do believe we've got the best potential fit for for the Sharks going forward. Yeah, you're talking about uh, the Banana Boys. That phase, of course, uh, pre-game entertainment for those of my age will remember consisted of a wonderful old guy, part of uh, Natal rugby folklore, Marnie Blom, who used to run on the game, you know, on the field the ga- before the game kicked off with a banana tree and run up and down and then score under the poles with his banana tree. And uh, that was it. It was considered to be enormous entertainment uh, uh, at the time. So I'm, I'm quite keen to see how you're planning to roll out the entertainment aspect of it. And also one of the controversial things, uh, Ed, uh, which, you know, really I think damaged the uh, – Bums and seats uh, at Kings Park was was the closure of the outer fields for a while because that's also been part of uh, Sharks folklore. Well, what are the plans for you know brying on the outer fields and just generally uh, you know in making it a day out, which I think was always what the Sharks offered was a yeah. good day out. Yeah, um, Gordon, I think that I mean that definitely slowed things down. It, it paused it for a while, but um, you know since since. Um, Gary Tashman's tenure year, we managed to resurrect that relationship with the city. You know, the liquor license got uh, returned and uh, reinstated on the outer field. So, so there's uh, the vibes back again. You know, you can you can bra and you can have a drink on the outer fields. You know, we obviously control it from a security and a, and a safety point of view. But that 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 is definitely slowly but surely restoring itself. And and I think we could see it. Uh, towards the end of uh, 2019 and, and, and the start of 2020 before COVID hit, you know, that there was a really positive vibe around the stadium. You know, the in-stadium um, experiences we've, um, and it's actually quite a funny story because I think our board always, when I say, listen, I've got an idea, I think some of them like <laughs> shrivel around the teeth because about three years ago, I said to them, listen, I've got an idea. Why don't we build a beach club with a pool and a beach on the one side? And they're like, are you crazy? Uh, and then they eventually, you can do it, but you're not allowed to spend any Sharks money. So I said, no, it's not a problem. <laughs> and uh, we got sponsors and, and partnerships, and we built probably the and Kingston Beach Club trends as, as the most popular destination, a nightclub destination in Durban. Yeah. And then um, end of 2019, I said, okay, well, now for the on the kids' side, let's build a, two super tubes, another pool, another beach, you know, a kids' coffee shop, <laughs> esports gaming lounge, and a creche for match players. And someone said to you, but Ed, we actually play rugby at this franchise. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and they again said, oh, it's cool, do it, but you're not allowed to spend any Sharks money. So, first game back, we um, we had two super tubes, esports lounge, uh, creche, beach, another pool. And, you know, we... That's that's today the small zone. So we can't wait for crowds to come back to experience those things, you know, because that is that is the Sharks culture, you know. It's like this family environment in the stadium, on the outer field, in a safe space that really caters for all demographics, all generations and all genders. 
That's great. And, and Ed, just for, for listeners who perhaps don't know, you mentioned the small zone. Can you talk about you guys naming that after James Small in, in memory of, of his contribution to the game? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yes, um, Doug, no, I mean, James is one of the, the, the favourite Sharks boys, you know. I think he, he did finish his career at Western Province, but we see that as more of a CSI effort that he went to Harrison. <laughs> and, and, um, so we never really held that against him. But, you know, James was an unbelievable person. I think he was a, a good friend to many of us here. And he had this vision of, um, you know, a family area in the stadium. You know? So, like, him and I had countless, like, uh, meetings and coffees around, you know, what should it look like? And, you know, he unfortunately passed away just uh, just as this was becoming a reality. So we decided it fit to, to name that area after him, you know, to leave a legacy to him and his, um, his vision. And, yeah, he's missed, but hopefully through through the small zone when fans come back, you know, like there's a little bit of James Small that, yeah. that will continue to live in, in, our, in our stadium. Yeah, and that's great. And again, you know, just looking and listening to you, Ed, I think it speaks volumes, Gordon, in terms of not just looking to tomorrow, but also looking a little bit back at the respect and the culture of the Sharks franchise, saying thank you to the players who played, and not just the players, but also the fans, and then building the next generation. I think that's always been attractive. You know, certainly when I worked very closely with Ed, Ed, when you were the commercial head, uh, and Smitty was CEO, and later on Gary, you know, we tried and, and we did a lot of good work around building stuff on field and off field. And I made the point, you know, Gordon, there's nothing worse in my opinion than a sponsor who tries to get too clever on field when, you know, you're not the rugby guy. So we did a lot of work with the off field stuff and I, I'm glad to see that continuing. And I guess, um, Ed, we'll talk a little bit about the investment now. But, I mean, the investors have come with a big pedigree. You know, guys that own uh, in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, on the hockey side, the Florida Panthers. So I can only imagine they're going to bring some of that thinking and that entertainment and razzmatazz to to the park as well. Yeah, Doug, and then don't forget the Rock Nation guys. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) We'll, we'll get yeah, on, also- Ed, I've got a note here, we'll get on to that a little bit later, because there's a there, there's the whole big issue there around Rock Nation and its star player, but that's, that I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave Gordon to ask <laughs> that question later. So, <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, you know, your challenges, uh, you know, I should put you in touch with Arsene Wenger, he also wasn't allowed to spend any money, but just coming back to the Western Province side of things, which will then lead us into Rock Nation discussion, it's interesting that dynamic, because my earliest recollections of, of Kings Park as a little boy were sitting with my dad um, and he, he would just spend the entire game when we played Western Province hurling abuse at Janni Engelbrecht. I have no idea to this day what Janni Engelbrecht ever did to my father, but it, it led me to conclude that Western Province was not the team I should be, uh, should be supporting. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it, the limitations and what we can talk about, but the papers... My old rugby club, uh, Morris Rovers uh, chat group on WhatsApp is agog with discussion about Sia Colisi and does the deal include him? Will we be seeing him running onto a Sharks field, which I think would excite just about every Sharks fan that I know. Yeah, I don't know what the question is. The question is, is he going to be running on a Sharks jersey, Sia? Or or, or Uh, do we have to wait until the next episode for that one? No, listen, um, yeah, I've also picked up a lot of the, the talk in the press and stuff like that. You know, um, 
he is he forms part of the rock nation um stable so there's obviously you know people uh, draw those lines and, and and they they do make the connection but you know like what what i really enjoy from um the consortium we brought into the sharks is you know they they want to empower us to continue to do what we're doing you know they they won't put any ultimatums to us they um they obviously like have, have very good relationships and, and contacts and you know like after and, and i actually had a discussion with our team about this because i mean when when any contacted rugby player sees a big uh, change like we've had in our organization you know there's a lot of insecurity and anxiety that comes in so um, i had a chat to them and said listen guys normally after every competition we sit down we do an audit we looked at what where we lacked where we need you know and and then we have those discussions around that you know so at the end of curry cup we'll we'll put all our cards on the table and see where where we came short in the competition where we need maybe if it's from a leadership point of view you know maybe in the tight five um, you know maybe depth in certain positions so and and then we'll see what's in the market and and contract accordingly so at the moment it, it there's a lot of rumors around uh, there's nothing concrete but you know like Sia Khaleesi is the World Cup winning captain so it's just an honor for us that you know people would link a brand like him to a brand like us you know but at the end of the day anyone that comes to the Sharks as a record player they've got to perform on the field you know and I think that that's where his value ultimately lies. Yeah, and I think you've made that point, uh, Ed, in pre- in previous press releases that we've read about. You know, I guess a player has to has to earn his right and play. And then within the structure, and we've read about co-captain possibilities and so on. I don't want to I don't want to get in much more on the uncertainties. Let's rather deal with some of the certainties now. MVM Holdings have come in. They've put in X amount of money. That speculated. It's irrelevant how much it was. They've bought fifty one percent of the franchise. And and I mean, you guys took a very different stance. And again, I don't want to go and compare you to Western Province. That's that's their prerogative they took a view in and you guys took another view and i can only wish you guys all the best going forward now i guess one of the big things that comes out of that is the the rainbow cup that you guys are steering at now so are the guys excited about that they're looking forward to, to a new competition yeah i think i mean there's been a lot of disruption and change um in in rugby and in the, in the international rugby landscape in the last say 18 months you know like the the divorce of um Sanzo, you know like the home unions and sands are going their own way yeah. um and i think for us it's exciting to go north uh, like you mentioned the rainbow nations cup i think that's a truncated version of, of pro rugby mm. yeah. and that's just maybe to see how how it will work you know like also obviously as a filler because the european season and uh, and our traditional seasons run differently so where Europe runs from the 1st of July till the end of June, we generally run January to, to November or end of October. So um, I think that Rainbow Cup will just align us from a, a season point of view to take us to to June, where we can then fall into a, um, a fully-fledged European season. So yeah, we're very excited about that. Obviously, it'll, it'll, it'll have to come with a little bit of change, you know, innovation probably more than change, because, um, you know, if you play if you play in Limerick or in edinburgh in february it's vastly different to playing yep. in um sure. loftus in newland in february you know so sure. Sure. you can't you can't have the same game plan but from that point of view yeah it is exciting we we really look forward to it i think from a, a logistics point of view and a and a, and a and a travel point of view it'll be a lot easier for us to be competitive in those uh northern hemisphere competitions than it was you know going to australia new zealand four weeks then heading over to Japan for a weekend, then going to Buenos Aires for another weekend, you know, which, sure. which is a bit difficult. Sure. 
Yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it strikes me in all of this that Argentina are going to be the big losers and they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. But just, you know, you talk about going north. I, I hadn't realized Marco Mazzotti had a, had a local sort of toti um, connection to, to the Sharks game. But the, the interest of America in rugby for me is intriguing. And you could see the shift in mindset uh, the moment sevens rugby became an Olympic sport and, then, and the Americans suddenly sensed a gold medal, their game changed. I mean, they are, I think, sitting number three or they were sitting third in the log on sevens and they're going to win a gold medal, maybe not this next Olympics next year, but the one after that. So does this signal a bigger realization, Ed, uh, in America that, that rugby isn't a sport? is a sport which I think Americans would really relate to. They love physical conflict. They love the the passion of the game, they get it, I think, uh, instinctively. What's your feeling? Is, is there a bigger picture here? Yeah, I think there's a few aspects to this. I think um, definitely America, with the amount of athletes they have, um, as soon as they get their, their pipeline right, I think they'll be a force in, in world rugby on 15s and 7s. Um, and then also, I think, you know, commercially, rugby globally is, is undervalued. You know, if you look at um, the valuation that was put to the All Blacks recently by um, Silver Lake, you know it's two billion US dollars, I think, and they were talking about a fifty percent share in that. Um, you know, CBC has gone into Premier, um, the Premier League, rugby, the Six Nations. You know, and, and so I think there's there's a huge upside. You know, we haven't gone that way yet. We haven't sold um, private equity at a, at a federation level, but I think you know there, there's opportunity um, for any investor. I think potential that if, if you come in at the right time and you position yourself correctly um you know they, yeah they, there's potential upside yeah just i'm, I'm going to pose one last question i'm going to leave the doctor rapid and it's the big question for me you know i was peaking next year well my, sorry this year um i was going to take my grandson ethan to king's park and it was like kind of closure for me and i have got my tickets for the Lions versus the Sharks. What What's the sort of feed on that? What's the feeling? Was it really just at this stage we, we just got our fingers crossed? How's the Lions tour looking as an option? Or do you think we will end up, unfortunately, having to go north to play that as well? Yeah, there's, I think, Gordon, it, it, it is a bit of a, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a tough topic because, you know, like you don't want to get emotional about a rugby tour when there's um, people dying or, or all over the world through this pandemic, but you're right, you know, like the British Lions is a once every 12 year uh, event that comes to to our shores, you know, and we were all looking forward to it. So yeah, at the moment it doesn't look great just because of um, of people in stadiums at that time, you know, so I think um, there are different options that are getting tabled, you know, maybe the option of playing it in Europe, you know, I think that will be, that'll be sad for, for South Africans, you know, because um, as you said, like this is a highlight, I think, uh, the test matches sold out within three days, you know, and that's, yeah. those test match tickets are four hundred percent oversubscribed. Yeah. So there's a huge demand, you know. There was a huge um, following, and the economic impact uh, of of such an event in South Africa is is also big. But um, yeah, if if we don't go to to Europe to play, there's also an option apparently getting um, getting tabled of moving it out till February 2022 but you know um, that affects the international calendar and the Six Nations so there's a lot of logistics around that um, we we will probably have more of a clear view towards the end of March uh, as the timelines they've given us or end of, end of February probably 
Yeah. And I mean, I guess most people or people or rugby fans hope that it does come about. But you, you make the point, Ed, there, there are bigger issues at play. And so hopefully, you know, the pandemic gets a little bit more under control by then and, and, and the Lions can tour. Just, I mean, as just to wrap up, I mean, on to more immediate stuff. I mean, first things before I forget, uh, good luck for the weekend's semi-final Curry Cup. Uh, hopefully you guys go down there and, uh, and, and play yourself into the final. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, just in closing again, you know, from, from our side, Gordon and I, the, the stated objective that you've made public is to make the, the, the Sharks a global force of world rugby, the global expansion. You know, we can only wish you well as a sport and entertainment merge in, in sportainment uh, and, and the whole global influence of the Americans. So again, from our side, thanks so much for your time. I mean, we could have chatted for much longer as we always can, but uh, we don't want to keep you away from uh, running the franchise and uh, thanks for your time. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Doug. And yeah, as always, it's a pleasure and um yeah anytime um yeah and uh, yeah good luck and be safe and we'll we'll be in touch soon we'll catch up for a lemonade at the park sometime <laughs> definitely <laughs> that'll be good thanks ed cheers man cheers. Bye Take now. Care. and to our listeners thanks for Bye. joining us again today um any questions please send them through on the various social media platforms and we look forward to engaging with you uh, in the weeks ahead thanks for your time ciao and so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.